following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Hoare, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, May 1st, 2022, on the basis of Revelation 5, verses 11 through 14. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. This coming Saturday is the 148th running of the Kentucky Derby. Each year, that's an event that gets quite a bit of attention from people, not just because people like to watch horses run around a track, but because people like to bet money on those horses as they run around the track. In fact, in 2021, last year, more than $300 million was bet on this single two-minute horse race. So on the off chance that any of you is thinking about placing a bet for this coming Saturday's race, I wanted to share with you some advice. In fact, this isn't just any advice. This is foolproof advice. This advice is guaranteed to pay off if you follow it very carefully. Are you ready? Here it is. If you're going to place a bet, all you have to do is bet on the winner and you will never lose. Some advice, right? Of course, the idea is that you have to bet on the winner, but the whole point is you have to place your bet before you know who the winner is going to be, right? That's how it normally works. Notice how I said normally. It works that way normally, except for when that exact advice, using those exact words, was given by by old Biff talking to young Biff in the 1989 classic movie, Back to the Future 2. If you've seen that movie, you know that as old Biff went back into time and, and talked to his younger self and gave him this advice, he also gave to him a copy of the Gray's Sports Almanac, which had in it all of the results from every sports contest from 1950 to the year 2000. And so in that case, the advice, all you have to do is bet on the winner and you will never lose, is really good advice when you know the future. Of course, Back to the Future 2 is fiction. It's not real life, right? In real life, we have to place our bets ahead of time before we know the outcome of a given thing. In fact, most of the time we probably don't even think about it as betting or refer to it as gambling, but in a certain sense that's what it is. We have to put down on the table something of value, some time, some energy, some effort, maybe yes, some money, and then we just have to sit back and wait to see how it turns out. We are hoping, of course, that our wager pays off, that our investment yields a return. And of course, sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't. And the whole point is you have to put that thing of value down on the table long before you ever know. Normally. Normally, except in the case of Easter. During this Easter season, we are talking about all of the things that got out when Jesus himself got out. All of the blessings that have been unleashed by Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And today we are specifically seeing how when Jesus got out of that empty tomb, praise got out with him. 
In other words, an accurate assessment of Jesus, a correct appraisal of Jesus, a reliable calculation of the true value of Jesus got out and became obvious the second Jesus rose from the dead. Which means that no matter what we might invest in Jesus, no matter how much it is, no matter how much it is worth, we never once need to think of it as placing a bet or worry about it being some risky form of gambling. Instead, no matter what we might invest in Jesus, we can be confident it is going to pay off. As we look at these verses from Revelation 5 this morning, you better listen carefully because you are about to hear the best investment advice that you will ever receive. Maybe it doesn't seem like that to you, but that is essentially what it is. And I want to show you the verse in question that is this form of investment advice. It starts out with the word worthy. In the New Testament, the word worthy carries with it the picture of a, of a scale. So if you put something on one side of that scale and then you put something on the other side and that thing on the other side sort of balances out with the first thing, that, that thing is worthy. It balances out. And so in this verse, these people are telling us that no matter what we might put on the one side of the scale, no matter how much we might invest, if Jesus is on the other side of the scale, Jesus is always worthy. Jesus will always balance it out. Specifically, these people talk about investing in Jesus things like power and strength. For those problems in life that seem unsolvable, when we are at the end of our ropes and are forced to admit that we just can't handle something, far more than we would put our trust in the marvels of modern medicine or advances in science and technology or in any of our social institutions or political processes, they are telling us to entrust that power to Jesus and it will pay off. He will prove himself to be worth it. They also talk about wisdom. So when that latest, greatest, controversial, hot-button issue comes up, the thing that has everybody talking at the water cooler at work or everybody all riled up on social media, who or what is going to settle that issue for you? A best-selling author or popular podcaster? Some celebrity who has 100 million followers on Instagram or some random person who created a video and put it on TikTok. These people are telling you, entrust that wisdom to Jesus. Let him settle that issue for you and it will pay off. He will prove that he is worth it. They talk about honor and glory and praise, things that... We like to have for ourselves, right? We like to make a name for ourselves. We want people to think highly of us. And so it sure is easy to invest in our own accomplishments, in the things that we think we can be good at, from education to career to hobbies to appearances, whatever the case might be. But they are saying, invest instead in Jesus. Find your worth, find your value, find your recognition and praise in him and he will prove that he is worth it. That bet will pay off. There's one item on the list I've been avoiding until now. They also mention wealth. Can we talk a little bit about wealth? 
Whether you make six figures or struggle to make ends meet, how do you decide where it goes? Enjoy it while you can. Spend your life trying to keep up with the neighbors or trying to impress your friends. Their advice is to invest it in Jesus. To spend generously for yourself, for your children, for the people in our community and people around the world, not in things that will bear an immediate return or even a return at any point in this lifetime, but in things that lead to an eternal inheritance in heaven that can never be spent down. Invest even your wealth in Jesus and that bet will pay off. He will prove himself to be worth it. That's their investment advice. Now, it's probably good to stop at this point and point out that normally this would be bad investment advice. Normally, when it comes to investing, whether literally or figuratively, the advice is diversify your portfolio, right? So when it comes to our wealth, we want some stocks, we want some bonds, we want some money in the bank, we want some commodities, maybe we even throw in some cryptocurrency just for good measure, right? We diversify our portfolio. When it comes to power and strength, we understand that not one person not one institution can handle all of that responsibility. That's why we live in a democracy, right? We spread out the power. We have checks and we have balances. When it comes to wisdom, we don't drink in information all from one source. We need to take in information from a variety of perspectives and sources and kind of synthesize and evaluate and bring it all together. And when it comes to our honor and glory and praise, we don't dedicate our entire life, every waking moment to just one thing. Instead, we get involved in a lot of different things. So if we're not as successful at one thing, maybe the other things will balance it out. But these people are saying, invest everything in just one place. Invest it all in Jesus. He is worth it. So it's probably worth pointing out why they say that. On what basis can they give this advice. And actually, I, I need to sort of correct something that I've been saying throughout this sermon. I've been saying that they're telling you to invest in Jesus, except in that verse that I showed you, they don't use the word Jesus. They say, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Of course, they're talking about Jesus, but they refer to him as the lamb who was slain. You think about something or someone that you'd be willing to invest in, to put all of your hopes and dreams, your life, your future, your well-being in, and maybe a lamb sort of seems like something on the bottom of the list. Weak, timid, helpless. And not only that, but this is a lamb that was slain, a lamb that's been pummeled, a lamb that's been destroyed, a lamb that has been chewed up and spit out by this life and this world. And yet in this vision, we also see that this lamb who was slain was slain for a purpose. In fact, what we see is that this lamb was slain as a purchase. Just prior to the verses that are in front of us, there was another crowd up in heaven who said this to the lamb. They said, you are worthy because you were slain and with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You see, here's the real reason why Jesus isn't just 
one more thing in your life that you should spend a little bit of investment on along with everything else that is in your very diverse portfolio. It's not just that if we invest too much in things like our education or our career or our hobbies or our appearances, that at some point we might find out that those things aren't worth it, though that probably will be the case. Even more than that, it's that at some point, all of those other things are going to find out and are going to conclude that we aren't worth them. The company will decide someone else deserves the promotion more. The coach will decide that someone else deserves more playing time. All of your social media followers will eventually decide that someone else's perfect poses with their fantastic filters on Instagram deserve more likes than yours do. No matter how much you might think you are worth, inevitably there's going to be someone somewhere who's worth more. That's what makes Jesus different. This verse allows us to picture Jesus almost as if he's the one doing the investing. In fact, picture Jesus going up to a counter at some store, ready to make a purchase, looking at all of the items that are kept there on the back wall behind the counter, and the price tag that is on each and every one of those items is exactly the same. His life, his own blood poured out into death on the cross. And so as Jesus scans all of those items and tries to assess their various values and worth, as he looks at all of the different types of products that are back there and he comes to you and it's time for him to put a value on you. Whether you are smart and successful or not, whether your life can be described as a series of successes or a string of failures, whether you feel like you're well-liked and popular or whether you feel like you are all alone, whether you have managed in life to more or less walk the straight and narrow or whether you have made a complete mess of everything. Jesus doesn't flinch. Each and every time he says, deal, I'll take it. Each and every time he leaves his own life, he leaves his precious blood down on the counter and makes that purchase. The reason why investing in Jesus, no matter how much it might be, is worth it for you is because long ago Jesus decided for no good reason other than his love that you are worth it to him. So that really leaves just one question to be answered, and that is the question, can we believe the investment advice that these people are giving us in these verses. And to answer that question, we probably need to answer another question that I've been avoiding to this point in the sermon so far. Who are these people giving us all of this investment advice? Well, if you look at the verses in Revelation chapter 5, you'll see very clearly it's the angels. The angels are the one telling us this, but it's not just the angels who are singing this in heaven. Before this, it was four elders I'm sorry, 24 elders and four living creatures who are saying exactly the same thing. And after this, it's going to be every creature in heaven and on earth who are saying exactly the same thing. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. 
Now maybe that all seems a little bit out there. Heavenly choirs singing, angels and living creatures and elders gathered around the throne and a lamb who was slain. It'd almost be like if you walked into your financial advisor's office tomorrow morning and told him that you wanted to put all of your money in one specific company's stock. Why? Because some heavenly voices had told you to do so. That's why it's so important for us to know where this advice started, both in John's vision and in real life. This entire vision, if we trace it back, started right in the center, the center of all things, heaven and earth, and a throne right in that center where God the Father himself was seated, the creator of all things, the ruler over all things. And then the one sitting in the center on that throne invited someone else to join him in the center and sit on a throne right next to him. In fact, he invited that lamb who was slain to take all rule, all power, all authority in his hands until the end of time. This vision and this advice started with the, glory, with the glorification and the exaltation of God's Son, Jesus Christ. In other words, it started at Easter. In other words, for you to know that your investment in Jesus is a sure thing, you don't need to be able to hear what's going on up in heaven. And you don't need to be able to see into the future. Instead, the secret to this advice is found in a tomb that on a Sunday morning 2,000 years ago was discovered to be empty. And it was found in a locked room where Jesus appeared to his terrified disciples. And it was found on the shores of the Sea of Galilee where seven of them got to see Jesus again and have him serve them breakfast. And it was found in all the other places with all the other people who saw him alive. What makes this investment so certain is not something that's going on up in heaven, not something that's way off in the future, but something that happened right here on earth and something that happened long ago in the past. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And so investing in Jesus would be like if you could bet on a horse race after the race has already been run. If you could pick out your lottery tickets and pick your numbers after the drawing has already taken place. No matter how much you might invest, whether it's power or strength or wisdom or honor or glory or praise or wealth, it will pay off. Jesus will prove himself to be worth it. Because Jesus got out of that tomb for you, the safest bet you can possibly make is to go all in on him. Amen.